Worried you'll need to babysit your robot vacuum? Think again. Meet Eufy X10 Pro Omni Robot Vacuum with AI-powered navigation to recognize and avoid over 100 objects. It's the winner of five Best of CES awards. And Digital Trend says it boasts almost all the same features as robot vacuums that cost twice as much. Want to know more? Go to eufy.com, that's E-U-F-Y.com, and discover X10 Pro Omni, the best-in-class all-in-one robot vacuum for only $799. Are you ready to enhance your future in tech? Then it's time to make your move to the UK. The nation that has more tech unicorns than France, Germany and Sweden combined. The nation that was third in the world to have a $1 trillion tech sector valuation. The nation where great talent comes together. Visit gov.uk forward slash great talent to see how you can work, live and move to the UK. Yo, technology, what is it all about? There's going to be a handful of companies with a ton of power, and they're going to have to be held accountable, but they're also going to have to have good, enlightened leadership. And in some cases, I think they will. And on some of these really critical issues regarding democracy, we're going to have to hope for some really enlightened leadership from a handful of very, very powerful global tech executives. I wish I had more faith in Zuckerberg or Elon Musk. I was going to say, I was waiting for you to say Zuckerberg because... No, I don't trust them. I don't trust those guys. I think the track record is pretty clear. Hello and welcome to Danny in the Valley, your very last episode of 2023. We made it another year. Incredible. Thank all of you for listening, for the ratings, for the reviews, for sharing the pod with others. It really is a pleasure and an honor to show up every week for you to try to track down the very best guests, the most intriguing stories, the most consequential technologies and talk about them in a way that leaves you smarter or more insightful than when you hit play. That's my goal, week in, week out. So hopefully that is what this pod does for you. And to that end, this week, we have a great guest to close out the year. Jim Steyer is the founder and CEO of Common Sense Media, which is the largest advocacy group uh, working on tech's impact on kids and society in general. And I wanted to have him on because... You know, he's been working on this for a very long time. And because 2024 is going to be a very big year for tech, for democracy, and for tech's impact on democracy. So globally, there are going to be more than 40 national elections with some estimated about 2 billion people going to the polls, including, of course, America, Britain, India, countless other countries. We have a surge of populists like Donald Trump. And at the same time, we have the rise of AI tools that make it virtually free and very easy to generate extremely believable fake videos, audio, and text. So in a way, you can think about it, this is going to be the first truly AI election year. And add to that a social media industry, the pipes through which all of this stuff is going to course into society, that appears to just be totally ill-prepared Ill to control the onslaught that may very well be heading toward us. And I speak, of course, of Twitter, where the trust and safety teams have just been blown up by Elon Musk, but also there are huge concerns about Meta, 
after the the massive layoffs uh, that Mark Zuckerberg pushed through there. TikTok, which is based in China and where, let's just say, there's low confidence in Washington that Beijing is not putting its thumb on the scales to influence what information is spread throughout the states and beyond, um, despite the company's protests to the contrary. In other words, we have the rise of this very powerful new technology, which heralds the era of what Ezra Klein has called the era of zero-cost bullshit. In an election year, where in America at least, the main challenger has been very clear about his disdain for democracy and his desire to use the office to settle scores, etc. So I wanted to have Jim on just to talk about how he views this stew of technology and how it's colliding with democracy or how it's likely to collide with democracy in this first AI election year of 2024, which is shaping up to be one of the most important kind of consequential years in recent memory. So we cover that and a bit more. So I will now hand you over to my discussion with Jim Steyer, founder and CEO of Common Sense Media. Enjoy. I was at the Fortune AI conference last week, so caught a bit of uh, the panel you're on, and it kind of dovetailed with something we've been thinking about and working on at the moment, which is broadly, you know, tech versus democracy. This idea that we're having 40 plus national elections around the world, including, of course, in America, India, the UK, etc. At the same time, as we've had this explosion of AI tools, and I've been playing with some of them that, you know, I can clone myself, they can clone my voice, they can make, you know, photorealistic images, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, chatbots. Um, that plus social media seeming to just continue to not, or the social media companies seem to go in reverse in terms of their governance. When you kind of step back and look at that picture, two billion people going to the polls and some big consequential elections with all of this tech swirl, it looks concerning. And I'm just wondering what is, how are you thinking about this? What do you, how do you view this coming years as we kind of deal with this whole new world of cheap and easy AI misinformation, disinformation and social media not stepping up in the way perhaps it should. So at the highest level, this election cycle in 2024, both in the United States and globally, will be quite momentous for democracies around the world, for our kids' future, for the future of the United States' global leadership role, and for extraordinary dynamics. And it's very clear to me, and I think to other people who've been on the forefront of basically holding the big tech companies accountable and the social media platforms in particular accountable for the impact that they're having on elections and democracy ever since it sort of exploded in the 2016 election cycle with Russia putting its thumb on the scale for Trump and with the platforms ignoring the abuses of their platforms to affect elections, largely with disinformation. This is going to be the Super Bowl. The 24-24 year is going to be the Super Bowl of the impact of social media platforms and, and big tech companies on democracy. And I am not optimistic that they're going to handle it well. And I think, first of all, 
we're going to have a lot of problems in the United States. You have a couple of really irresponsible platforms right now. Twitter, also known as X, under uh, Elon Musk, has eviscerated its standards and practices divisions, if you will, its trust and safety programs, and the staffing of it. So this is like a staff-intensive thing. And the guy who ran all of that at Twitter for eight years is one of my closest colleagues at Common Sense. And just the complete dismantling of the trust and safety apparatus at both Twitter, also known as X, and at Facebook is just disgraceful and scary because this is not just true for American democracy and misinformation, disinformation, but it's really true globally where they have far fewer resources. I remember Francis Haugen, my colleague, who was the whistleblower, the first big whistleblower, telling me that 90% of all of Facebook's resources for trust and safety were spent on the U.S. So imagine the disaster overseas where they already didn't have a lot of resources, but they just wiped them out. So I think this is a very big problem. And I think that it's incumbent on all of us to do that. And it's the head of the largest tech advocacy group and, and kids media group in the world. We feel it common sense that we have a role to lead the discussion frame it in terms of kids and families and democracy. And uh, everyone ought to be on the edge of their seats trying to do something to make sure that this is not a really disastrous situation in 2024. So I want to get to what potentially can be done to mitigate the worst outcomes here. But first, just on on the point around Meta, Facebook, Instagram, that, you know, Zuckerberg's empire, I think people, when you think talk about X, people understand and know because it's been so public and so messy what Elon Musk has done there, you know, getting rid of 80% of staff and just running it as he sees fit. But I don't think people are as up on what is happening or has happened at Meta. So when you talk about them gutting their trust and safety apparatus, could you give a bit of detail on that? Just because I, I think, again, I think it's something people don't really understand. I think basically you're talking about staff layoffs. So these are labor intensive things, right? Yeah. And this is what Francis Haugen worked on. This is what Arturo Behar, both of whom are speaking at the big common sense summit in January in San Francisco, by the way. But they worked on these teams that basically Facebook was criticized so much because of what happened during 2016 and some of the subsequent elections around the world too that they had to, they put much bigger trust and safety teams and they really took it much more seriously. And quite frankly, that's been gutted. And of course, Elon, he just came in imperiously and he, and he just devastated the trust and safety division at Twitter, now known as X. And the, the results are scary because so many people today, particularly younger people, but get their narratives and their political narratives and voting stuff on social media platforms. So this is a major threat to democracy and we all should be very worried about it. What is your take on on TikTok? How does it fit into this matrix? Because it feels like TikTok has become, you know, the prime news source for a lot of people. And obviously there's concerns about its ownership and what the Communist Party is or is not doing in China to put its thumb on the scales. But how does it fit into this whole mix? I think TikTok's a big player just because of the scale of the platform and because young people are really using it as a news source. So there's always sort of the flavor du jour in these on the social media platforms in, in a way, and it's really evolved. But clearly now TikTok's in a huge play. And we know Shozi fairly well, so Shozi Chu, the CEO, I do. And again, the, our strategy at Common Sense Media, being in the biggest advocacy group, but also working with these companies, is usually go to the CEO and talk to him about it. 
or her, but it's usually a him, and then try to figure out what kind of protections and they can expand and how we can work with them. I mean, it's sort of carrot and the stick. And then also we criticize them. That's why you hear us being so, I wrote a book called Talking Back to Facebook in 2012 that I was right. I told everything that was happening with Facebook and, and uh, from whether privacy violations. In 2012. Yes, man, when you were in grade school or whatever. <laughs> and so, and I was, and when Common Sense was the lone voice in the wilderness calling for privacy laws and calling for respect for kids and on social media platforms, et cetera. So we've been there from the beginning and we're the loudest and most credible voice in my opinion. But a lot of other people got to speak out about it. There's no question. And we're going to have to go up to the top. And TikTok is a huge player. So is YouTube. Any of the big platforms are. It's, it's really about where people get their news. And also you can live in this filter bubble world. When I wrote Talking Back to Facebook, I remember I talked to this guy, Eli Pariser, who was one of the early people at MoveOn.org. And yeah. after, after Wes and Joan founded MoveOn. And so Eli wrote a book called The Filter Bubble, which was about how people just live in their own little very narrow universe, MAGA universe or whatever universe they want. And they don't listen to honest stuff from other people and or varied opinions. And this is a big issue. And so the platforms play into that because it's a monetizable business for them. But the sad thing is it also leads to the erosion of many democratic norms and institutions. So before we get to kind of what can be done, I also want to just get to the AI side of things. Because yep. as I mentioned... I just in this past week have been playing around with, there are several, but one of these ones where, you know, you pay five bucks a month, you can upload a minute of your audio and then you can type in any script and it'll have me saying anything, anything I write down. Then there's another one where it's a clone. There's a bunch of clone companies now where you upload a minute of video and then they can make your clone. And some of them are better than others. And these are, I'm sure there are professional ones that are way, way better but still it's kind of me talking to the camera saying whatever i type you know in a, into a script and these are all toys consumer level apps but you can only imagine if they're giving this away for free for five bucks a month there are some very very sophisticated technologies that can when you step back and think in america the election could come down to you know a handful of counties maybe tens of thousands of votes and some well-placed, really believable misinformation, even on election day or the night before, it could be enough to swing a result. I'm just wondering how you're thinking about the gutting of these trust and safety systems at the same time as you have the rise of this very powerful new technology. So I'd say several things. First of all, AI is just going to make some of the misinformation and disinformation issues that could plague the election amplified and on steroids. So that's really, I mean, what, what we're really saying is it could amplify some of the existing trends and existing problems. But at a higher level, common sense, look, we're going to run a whole public awareness campaign during 2024 about these issues and why it's so important. But I should frame more the AI initiative that we're doing, Danny, because we think that AI is going to affect not just elections, but kids and families and schools and healthcare and many aspects and jobs and many, many critical aspects of society. And again, the biggest impact is always going to be on young people. So we announced and came out a couple months ago on the front page of the Wall Street Journal. And we came out with uh, our first set of AI ratings and reviews a couple of weeks ago, where we're rating the big platforms like OpenAI's uh, ChatGPT and Google's Bard and 
my Snapchat to my AI and other Dolly and some of the other big platforms, because we think the public has to understand the basics of AI and what the platforms are. And just like we are the world's raider and curator of movies, TV, video games, et cetera, and short form video, that's what we're going to do for AI. So I think that's, it's basically a nutrition label for AI products. And the reviews will give the public an understanding of how safe, transparent, and ethical these platforms and these apps can be. And that will also include democracy and also include how they can be used and abused to produce false information or to do some of the stuff that you referred to. So we're going to be rating all of those. And hopefully you're going to illuminate both the opportunities and the harms of a product. And I think that's going to be really important, by the way. And so part of what I think when you when you talk about those products that you were trying, it's really important that we get out there with a map. We have a mass audience, 150 million plus users, that they understand what the basics are of all this and the and the products that are dangerous and how they can be misused. The other thing is we're going to do an AI literacy curriculum in all the schools in the United States and we'll, then we'll take it global. And that's the same thing. I think part of that you have to educate young people, but also teachers and parents uh, through schools about the dangers to democracy, how AI can be used and abused in a misinformation context, but also all the positive ways that AI could help education and learning and personalized tutoring and everything else. So I think through both uh, our classic ratings and review strategy and this massive AI literacy curriculum, where you can deal with the proliferation of misinformation and some of the and some of the potential for election malfeasance and, and cheating, I think that's going to be very helpful. But look, we need an all-out effort from everybody, from everybody here and around the world to protect democracy, because there are some very powerful and very bad forces that are trying to undermine it, including here in the United States. As a professor at Stanford for more than 30 years, teaching politics and education, and teaching really large classes, I have never been more worried about our democracy and the ways in which technology and platforms and social media platforms can really be used to undermine it. Flexibility is great. That's why there's yoga. Flexibility for your insurance coverage is great too. That's why there's United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, United Healthcare Insurance Plans offer flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. One of these plans may be right for you if you're, say, between jobs, coming off your parents' plan, turning a side hustle into a full hustle, or even missed open enrollment. Want more flexibility? Find out more about United Healthcare Insurance Plans at uh1.com. Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online. You'll experience the all new Cerebral way an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way, so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. Are you ready to enhance your future in tech? Then it's time to make your move to the UK. The nation that has more tech unicorns than France, Germany and Sweden combined. 
the nation that was third in the world to have a $1 trillion tech sector valuation. The nation where great talent comes together. Visit gov.uk forward slash great talent to see how you can work, live and move to the UK. Can you say more on that? Why have you never been more worried? Is this based on your personal experience of, you know, the things you're hearing from students or what you're seeing on campus? Or is it just, you know, stepping back and looking at the power of these technologies? Nah, I'd say it's more just as having been a professor and in politics for a long time. You know, my brother ran for president. I play, I work in the world of politics at a very high level for the last 30 years. So I know the presidents and we know senators. I know I work in that world because I'm a child advocate at heart. And also I teach politics. I teach con law at Stanford, con law to undergrads, basically massive classes so about sort of the state and the truth is because we have forces actively just trying to damage our electoral system i mean what the mega republicans are insane i mean it's not even this is not funny i'm not speaking for common sense media i'm speaking for jim steyer when i yeah. say this that's very important common sense media is a nonpartisan organization we do not take but you have one party that's significantly gone off the rails from a d- democracy you have a figure like Donald Trump, who says unbelievably offensive anti-democratic statements all the time, who has made any number of threats to some of the most basic institutions, who has been an election denier, who's lied massively and repeatedly about the truth about the 2020 election, who's already trying to denigrate 24 election, who is under indictment for 93 different felony counts largely related to his efforts to undermine democracy. I mean, that didn't happen before. This is the worst situation in the United States since the Civil War. And, and no, I've been saying that in my Stanford classes for several years now, that I think the country is at most at risk because of the partisanship. And by the way, the social media platforms have a huge role in this because they've exacerbated it so much. Shame on all of them on this, by the way. But they, they have a huge role in exacerbating this. But... The Trump factor is huge, but you also see authoritarian autocrats around the world, Putin, Viktor Orban, Bolsonaro in Brazil. You see all sorts of anti-democratic figures now rising up. The right-wing government in Italy, um, the recent election in Argentina, far-right person in Argentina. These are anti-democratic forces that are explicitly calling out democracy. And a second term of the Trump concept is mind-boggling from a democracy standpoint. And I say that again, I am an independent person. I'm not speaking at all for common sense, but I think in a democracy, there's a lot of stuff that we have to trust. And there also is truth and there are facts. And when you start to see a lot of those basic maxims undermined, it's a very scary thing. And the truth is, since this is about tech and your podcast is mostly about tech and social media and stuff, look, the role of the platforms and now potentially some of the AI companies in spreading misinformation, disinformation, giving platform and voice to insane lies and anti-democratic theories, those platforms have blood on their hands when it comes to damage to democratic norms and institutions, and they need to be held accountable for that. And the public needs to hold them accountable. And so do nonpartisan kids organizations like Common Sense Media. And I actually think there are many, many factors at play. This is a very complex political time right now. And you have made two major global conflicts going on. You have all sorts of challenges that young people face where they don't think they're going to be better off than their parents. And they're really worried about their futures economically and otherwise. 
and you have this polarized Washington, D.C., for example, that is uniquely polarized, certainly in my lifetime and in yours. So there's a lot of stuff going on, and we all have to take our part and do our part to try to preserve our democracy, the sanctity of our elections, the respect for truth and fact in society, a much more pluralistic and open discussion, and putting really serious guardrails and penalties on large tech platforms that in any way use their size and money to undermine critical norms and institutions. Well, to that very point, so you wrote a book almost 12 years ago now. We've been talking about reform of the core internet legislation, Section 230, and various other ways to kind of inject some accountability for these platforms. You know better than probably anybody in America that these companies have armies of lobbyists and extreme influence in the corridors of power. And here we are, almost 12 years after your book, years and years after I've been writing like, oh, this is going to be the year that something's going to get passed and nothing ever happens. So I never want to kind of just leave people with this just like sense of hopelessness. But before we get to what can be done, do you have any faith that there will be meaningful regulation or is that even the way we should be thinking about it? Are you talking about AI? I'm talking about technology and specifically more about social media and AI and how the, you know, those, the nexus of those two. No, I run the biggest tech advocacy group in the world. Common Sense really is. And we play in Brussels and we play in London and increasingly in other European countries, Australia, other places where big tech regulation. And obviously here in the United States, we're the biggest advocacy group. I would tell you that a lot's going to happen in a good way. Now, very little of it's coming out of Washington, D.C. The Biden administration, at least particularly under the leadership of Bruce Reed, who's the deputy chief of staff who oversees all domestic policy, used to be my colleague, Tom Sense. Those guys are on top of this, but Congress has been completely dysfunctional. But look, we passed the 2018 privacy law in California, which is essentially the law of the land of the United States, just like we did the European privacy law, GDPR. And you saw the DSA and the DMA passed in Europe last year in Brussels. There's a new AI Act that's about to be finalized. We have offices over there. We're very involved in that. So I actually believe Europe's going to move quite quickly on this. There's also going to be AI regulation. You're going to see Common Sense introduce major AI legislation in California in 2024. We'll probably introduce it in Washington too, but that doesn't mean it will pass because Washington is such a swamp of a morass of in action, if you will. But that, sh- that shouldn't be the case. But unfortunately, that has been the case for well over a decade. But partly because the tech companies pay so much money to lobby these guys. And they basically have can't look how well we did with social media. But I'm very optimistic that over the next few years, there's going to be major new legislation reigning in AI, guardrails around AI, on social media, holding people accountable. The courts, you know, I gave a speech to the National Associations of Attorneys General two years ago in Texas, where I said, you guys should treat these big companies like the tobacco companies, and and you should operate the same way you did 20 years ago with the tobacco companies, where you, you came together as the Attorneys General of the United States and sued them for basically in class action for the harms that they had done to kids and to deaths and public health. And you should basically treat the big social media platforms like Facebook that way. You should sue them. 
and they came out and did a couple months ago. And it was like, yeah. that was, that was the speech I gave. And uh, I have heard from many of the attorneys general, that's when they really started doing it. So I think there's a ton of ways that we can go on the offense for common sense regulation and legislation regarding tech, whether it's around social media, and you can deal with 230, the section 230 issues. The US is somewhat different than Europe because of the challenges of some of the First Amendment stuff, as a, which is not as big an issue in fuel litigating some of the European and Australian and other countries' tech regulations. But I'm optimistic that we're going to win in the long run because we have truth, justice, and the American way on our side. We do. And we're on the right side of history. That was the most recent book I wrote. Was it called The Right, the, Which Side of History? And I actually think now that some of the tech companies leadership, not all of them, unfortunately, but some of them really do want to be on the right side of history more. And I think that's true in the AI area. And so that's another part of the discussion is no matter what kind of regulation we're able to put in place, no matter how much we're able to educate the public about AI and the potential opportunities, as well as the downsides through ratings and reviews and literacy curricula, et cetera, there's going to be a handful of companies with a ton of power and they're going to have to be held accountable, but they're also going to have to have good enlightened leadership. And in some cases, I think they will. I think the tech industry is not monolithic and the leadership of the companies is not monolithic. And on some of these really critical issues regarding democracy, we're going to have to hope for some really enlightened leadership from a handful of very, very powerful global tech executives like Sundar Pichai and Tim Cook and Sam Altman and, you know, Satya Nadella and a few others, I think it's going to be critical. I wish I had more faith in Zuckerberg or Elon Musk. I was going to say, I was waiting for you to say Zuckerberg because... No, I don't trust them. I don't trust those guys. I think the track record is pretty clear. And I'd be happy to have Mark come on and counter that if he believes. But I, I think if you look at the companies, you can see what's going on. I mentioned Shozi Chu at TikTok. I think he's a really thoughtful person, but he also now is in charge of an incredibly important platform. So there's going to be a number of tech executives who really have to do step up and do the right thing in terms of cleaning up their own platforms of misinformation and hate and all sorts of other stuff. But I'm, no, I'm not optimistic about Elon or Zuckerberg. I'm not. And that's sad because they have really, but he, hopefully Elon just drives Twitter into the grave, right? So that it isn't that impactful. It's certainly not the scale it used to be. And as far as Facebook, Meta, Instagram, it would be great to see them clean up their act, but I'm not holding my breath. I mean, that seems to be the critical point, it seems to me, is that Meta, you know, they've got whatever, 2 billion or 3 billion users. I can't remember the number. I mean, they're the big... They're incredibly successful, powerful company. I always yeah. acknowledge that. They're the biggest, right? And so if they if they make us meaningful change, then that's that's meaningful. It seems to me, speaking to a lot of people who have been targeted by various people on X, X is much less important. It's important to a certain group of people. But under Musk, it seems to have become this kind of expression of his id or something. I, I, look, I'm not going to comment. I don't know Elon well enough. I've known, I've met with him any number of times, but I don't know him well. But I am not a fan of how he's managed that platform. That's for sure. And I think it's hope. I hope hope it goes out of business. I'm. I don't think it's doing the service that it was set out to. And I have friend. I know the guys who started it. I know the guy who ran their all global policy very well. He worked for Common Sense for eight years who put in place some of these really incredibly complicated 
restrictions during elections and stuff because they were Twitter at that point was such an important platform related to like they really led the way. And so it's sad to see what Elon has done, but whatever, you know, we'll see what happens. But in the bigger picture, everyone needs to speak out about this. Anybody listening to some podcast about tech who cares about tech should be going to the people who run those companies and pressuring them. You should be figuring out ways that you can help preserve our democracy because it's a really big deal and it is definitely at risk in 2024. I've talked to a few people who have who share your view. And then you talk to some other people like, well, that's just there. People are being ridiculous, you know, Pollyanna type view of this. But do you have a sense of people in Washington, D.C. in power who are like, "Mm, yeah, this is actually pretty worrying. This is a very big year. I think that people who work in Washington politics on both sides of the aisle, because they live and breathe politics 24-7, they're completely aware of the power of social media and... And, and some of the threats to the election. I mean, look, they lived through Jan 6, which is like yeah. one of the worst, it's like worse than Pearl Harbor, man. It's the U.S. attacking itself. And they lived through the whole lies, all the lies that followed, all the election deniers from Trump on down. The moral cowardice of the Republican leaders from Mitch McConnell and Kevin McCarthy and this guy Johnson. The abject moral cowardice not calling stuff out. History's not going to smile well on these people, let me tell you. But so I think people in Washington are completely aware of this, but they live in that really dysfunctional partisan gridlock where they don't get anything done. And there's so much like interpersonal animosity and hatred and stuff. And so I would just tell you that it's going to be quite a time in 24. And the people in Washington will be aware of it, but the power will come from outside Washington. What do you mean by that? The power is always in the voices of people and also Mm -hmm. the tech industry. Washington is not where they're going to get regulated. They're going to get regulated in Sacramento and Brussels and London and Sydney and in the courts, hopefully. Right. But I don't think Washington will do anything meaningful in 24 legislatively. And the Biden administration is, is only capable of doing so much through executive orders. And they're also going to be running a political campaign for better or for worse. So. It's going to be a very interesting 24 for sure. And just before I let you go, uh, are there any things that you think would be kind of, you know, the, the kind of the threat vectors are so numerous. So maybe this is an impossible question to answer, but are there any like relatively simple or straightforward things that a tech company could do or that, you know, an order could make happen that'd be like, oh, well, this would actually just clean things up to a degree that would actually move the needle and make, you know, help things kind of run in a more smooth way or less polluted way, whether that's, I don't know, kind of visible watermarks on images or videos or, you know, something big or small. I don't know if you, if, when you think about this stuff and again, stepping back, billions of people voting around the world, democracy in the balance, et cetera, is there low hanging fruit here? You mean of stuff that we can really do? Yeah. Yeah. I think we can force the companies to really staff up their trust and safety divisions and their election monitoring stuff. I mean, we should really, 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 really be pushing that. No question. We should be trying to force them. And I'm talking about the ones who gutted their staffs, the Twitters and the and Facebooks. And so those guys should be forced to restaff. They should be held accountable for that. The government should be actively doing that. I think citizens should be pointing this out as much as possible and putting pressure on companies to clean up their acts, if you will. 
And then I think we all have a responsibility to vote and to be engaged. This is going to be a yeah. really important election, I think. And by the way, because of the vagaries and vicissitudes of our silly electoral system with the Electoral College, there's a handful of battleground states and regions where you can put your time and energy in, which may save our democracy. So every yeah. single person in the audience has an opportunity to do something on the 24 election. It doesn't have to be a tech. You can go out and work a precinct for six weeks before the election. You can work on weekends, go to a battleground state. If you live in California, go to Nevada, go to Pennsylvania, Michigan, Arizona, Georgia, Wisconsin, some of the states that are gonna be close in terms of saving our democracy. You can do tech stuff, but you can also go and really just work the day-to-day -day reality of our democracy and make a huge difference. That's My family's done that for many years and it's a really rewarding thing. So I think a lot of this is going to depend on the American people. And I overall am a big believer in the American people and the strength and wisdom of the American people. So I'm, I got to be hopeful and optimistic that democracy and good people will prevail and that the really good stuff will happen in 24. But I'm scared that that should get us all motivated to go out and do something about it. Okay, this is my last question. In a year, we're going to speak. I mean, I don't know if we are, but let's say, let's say we speak a year from today. So post-November election. The worst case and the best case from where you sit right now? I mean, the presidential is obvious. It's obvious what the worst case is, and that could have devastating implications. What is the worst case? I think the worst case is that you would ever have Donald Trump in any kind of public office, in any kind of role with any kind of authority at all. I think that would be an absolute devastating disaster for this country and for the world because of the, because of the power of the United States. I think... There's all sorts of other aspects of the American democracy and the elections coming up that'll be critical about who controls various parts of Congress and the key states. And, you know, we have a, and the, and the Supreme Court is obviously out of touch with much of what America is doing. So I think we have a lot of really key institutions at stake. And I think it's true. There's a number of other global elections. So it's hard to predict. Having said it, I'm always an optimist and I believe we all got to go out and do the right thing. And there's a ton you can do. And you can also use common sense. And so I pe hope people will also, in the middle of the, whatever they want to do to protect democracy, they'll also support common sense in what we do in terms of the work we do around AI and social media and protecting your kids and your families and your schools in a totally nonpartisan way. So I think you can work in your own community. You can be a really good parent. And you can also be an activist who tries to help preserve our democracy one precinct at a time. Amen. Well, let's hope, um, yeah, next year isn't just a complete, I think the word you used on stage was a shit show. Yep. Let's hope 2024 is not a shit show. I agree. But then, then we all got to work on that. And, and we have our marching orders in front of us and we should go follow them. And that is all the time we have. I want to thank Jim. I want to thank you all for listening, for the ratings, for the reviews. I hope you guys all have a fabulous, fabulous holiday period. I will be writing about some of these issues over the break. I'm not sure when the piece is running. I'm working on it now. So keep an eye out for that in the Times um, at thetimes.co.uk or actually, you know, in the newspaper. And we'll be back in the new year with lots more stuff. As I said, it's going to be two weeks off after this. So um, be back in early Jan with a fresh crop of pods. But until then, have a fabulous break and we'll talk to you very soon. Bye-bye.
the number one selling product of its kind with over 20 years of research and innovation. Botox Cosmetic, Autobotulinum Toxin A, is a prescription medicine used to temporarily make moderate to severe frown lines, crow's feet, and forehead lines look better in adults. Effects of Botox Cosmetic may spread hours to weeks after injection, causing serious symptoms. Alert your doctor right away as difficulty swallowing, speaking, breathing, eye problems, or muscle weakness may be a sign of a life-threatening condition. Patients with these conditions before injection are at highest risk. Don't receive Botox Cosmetic if you have a skin infection. Side effects may include allergic reactions, injection site pain, headache, eyebrow and eyelid drooping, and eyelid swelling. Allergic reactions can include rash, welts, asthma symptoms, and dizziness. Tell your doctor about medical history, muscle or nerve conditions including ALS or Lou Gehrig's disease, myasthenia gravis, or Lambert-Eaton syndrome and medications, including botulinum toxins, as these may increase the risk of serious side effects. For full safety information, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. See for yourself at BotoxCosmetic.com. Are you ready to enhance your future in tech? Then it's time to make your move to the UK, the nation that has more tech unicorns than France, Germany, and Sweden combined. The nation that was third in the world to have a $1 trillion tech sector valuation. The nation where great talent comes together. Visit gov.uk forward slash great talent to see how you can work, live and move to the UK.